do 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 cue intro music welcome back to sorry we're open i'm Lindsay and i'm jess and here we are Okay, that intro music doesn't get old ever. <laughs> it's so awesome. You don't miss your creative sound freak out before we started every episode? Um, yes and no, you know. I like not having to panic before to think of something quote unquote creative. Um because it wasn't really that creative. I I did like the McDonald's theme song, I did the Big Panther Big Panther, Pink Panther theme, you know, so it was just whatever catchy tune. And now we have some unique intro music just for us. Right. And it's still catchy as heck. It so. is great. All right. Episode two of season two. Double twos. Two, 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 two. All right. I'm sorry. I'm like actively sweating. <laughs> <laughs> we're, ta- <laughs> we're talking about the gym later, but I just came back from the gym. And so, you know, when you're like obviously sweating at the gym and then you leave. And then you shower because you have somewhere to be and you, you like check the time. You're like, oh, fuck, <laughs> I have to go meet Jessica to record the podcast. And so I had to like hop in the shower and you take like, a warm shower because it's cold outside. Mm-hmm. And then you exit the shower and then you're still actively sweating. I don't like really have that issue usually. What? I've never had that issue. I'm going to be honest. You see the sweat like dripping yes, down I my do. forehead, but, right? But in your defense, you did have to walk up half of a mountain to get to the studio where we record. Right. So do you think the sweat might be from that? I don't normally sweat coming up here, which is my thing. Wow. You're so fit. D- <laughs> Not really. I'm out of breath. I just don't sweat. All right. Well. Sorry. Anyway. Why don't you... You were the one who came up with the new segment name, so what are we calling it? Well, actually, I didn't. Um, shout out Tommy. Uh, the new segment is called OK Boomer, where we, uh, I, which I think is hysterical, but it's where we read um, the the top couple urban dictionary definitions and have the other co-host try to guess it. So this this time it's Jess's turn to read and my turn to guess. So I opened up Urban Dictionary. I was like, let's try to find some words that are aren't completely ridiculously sexual. So like maybe I accomplished that, but it was kind of hard. I'm going to be honest. Okay, so the first word I picked... I'm terrified. ...is hot pocket. Or no, not hot pocket, fuck. It's high pocket. High pocket? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to guess it's the point in the night where, like, you're, like, peak high. Like, where you're smoking and you're, like, the peak. You're, no. No, it, does, it doesn't have to do with nope. marijuana. Nope. Can I get another guess? Yes, go ahead, dear. Okay. Um, oh, I can use read you the sentence there is here if you'd like Oh, it. yeah, sure. Read me the sentence. It's a, a conversation. Okay. So, Jack says, have you met the new marketing director? John says, no, is he cool? Jack says, hell no. The guy sits all day in his office making TPS reports. What a fucking high pocket. <laughs> what? <laughs> I... Did that help you? Like a loser? Like a nerd? Like a high pocket. Like you have a pocket on your on your shirt where all the nerds put like their pens in. And No. Okay. I get a up. high pocket is a person in your place of employment who has a high standing but doesn't deserve it at all because they're completely incompetent. <laughs> I like that. Maybe I'll start using that one. All right. Next one. Fluffernut. This one sounds sexual. Depends what definition I use. Okay. Fluff or not. Oh, this is... I don't want to guess what I think it is. <laughs> um, a lot of... You, you know, when I'm like a, like a dude nuts. Like... No. <laughs> it's fluffy. What the fuck, Lindsay? <laughs> no. That's the first... I don't know. No. Read it in a sentence. Cliff did not look professional for his business meeting because he was covered in fluffernuts. Sweat? No. It's a tangled ball of cat hair that clings to clothing. <laughs> <laughs> oh. There's also a very raunchy definition, but this is that was the top definition for fluffernut, but not appropriate for me to read. On okay, here. okay. 
Okay, now there's some questionable pronouncing of this one, but I'm going to go with gooked. Gooked. It's with a G. G O O K E D. Gooked. Can, can you read it in a sentence, please? Sure. Dude One says, check out this DVD player. I just got it. I'm sorry, is this definition from 2009? <laughs> <laughs> this guy just got it. This guy sold it to me for 150 bucks. Dude Two. They're selling that at Costco for 40. You got gooked, man. Oh, you got like duped. Like you got faked out. You got suckered, you know. Yes, that was correct, Lindsay. Yay! Yay! <laughs> so exciting. Great job, Lindsay. I feel like the sentence really is what got you, but it, I'm no, glad it you did. did it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it I definitely needed it. All right. So maybe if you have like great words you want me to try to stump Lindsay with, you should hit me up. But I guess you'll be stumping me next week. Yeah. So So that's it for OK Boomer. <laughs> All right. Next next segment. We just, I, I mentioned it earlier, but it's keg stands. I didn't sing it this time. I wasn't feeling in a singy mood. All right. That's fair. And this week we are talking about the gym. All the awkward things that happen at the gym, the people you see at the gym when you look disgusting, the thought of having to have a spring break body. So, you know, all the good and bad and ugly that comes with attending the gym. Yeah, but I guess, like, how often do you go to the gym, Lens? So, <clears throat> last semester, if you asked me this, I would have said, like, once a week. Because I was, I was feeling lazy. I don't know. I was in a weird funk last semester. But this semester, you know... Like, New Year's resolution. So far, I, I know, Jess is rolling her eyes at me, but sometimes you just need, like, as an arbitrary start date. Yes, we could talk about New Year's resolutions and how arbitrary that is, but anyway, sometimes you just need a little boost. And spring break also. So this semester, I probably go, like, four to five times a week. That's good. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah. Because Thursday mornings are obviously out. No, so. yes. Yeah. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Sometime, and then I did Friday last week. I feel like Friday midday is definitely achievable. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, after you get over your hangover, you eat something. And then before you go start drinking again, you could absolutely do it then. So so for me, I working out has to be the first thing I do. Like, I have to get up and work out. Like, if I do, or I have to go to class and immediately work out. But basically, if it's after like 11 a.m. and I haven't worked out, I'm not probably not going to. Really? I find it so difficult to wake up in the morning and like start working out because my body is not awake yet. I like must get up and work out. Like I, if I don't work out in the morning, it's not happening. Like I don't want to be at the gym at 3 p.m. Like I want it to be the first thing I do. I want to set the tone for my day and then I want to go. Oh, see, I wish it could set the tone for my day, but I just, my body it rejects me. And it's like, you're trying to go to the gym right now? You're not even awake yet. You know, so I that, mean, I am a morning person, so yeah, I, I like am just not for the gym. <laughs> All right, what's your philosophy on working out? My philosophy, or like, how do you approach the gym? Balls to the wall. <laughs> you just got it. You just got to go for it. I think. Okay, I have a very distinct philosophy. Uh, see, yeah, I okay. knew you had something when you asked me that question, and I had no idea. So I like really used to like hate the gym, hate working out. Like I could only really work out if. If we were, that's why I played team sports because it was like forced working out. Like I, right, I, I right. hated the gym. Thought the gym was terrible. Was like I hate running. I'm slow. I am 100 percent very slow. Um, I don't like this whole. I don't, could never. There's a great story about me at Soul Cycle. Um, <laughs> like didn't like spinning, group fitness. I hate it all. So then when I got to college and there was no more like team sports to force me to run around. There are club sports you could. I played it. club sports for two years, but it's like. That's one practice, two practices a week, not like every day like it was in high school. So, right, that's true. You're correct. It's like, all right, got to go to the gym. So then I used the methods that my friends use, which is like running, blah, blah. And I was like, hate this, hate this, never going to the gym. But I've started to do the gym because like more for my brain, like my mental stuff. Like the gym makes oh, me feel yeah. good mentally. So I say to myself, like, you're doing it as part of your like positive mental health. Like you're doing it because it makes you feel good. It clears your brain. I do a lot of my good thinking like right after the gym because I feel very clear headed. So now that I've instead of making it like I have to hit like X amount of things, I have to do X amount of things when I go to the gym. Like I go to the gym and do what makes me feel good and like what will make me feel good after and having it not be this pressure to like like sometimes I go to the gym and there's like 100 girls I think are beautiful, skinny, running 
a thousand miles an hour on the treadmill. Oh, yeah. And if I got on the treadmill, it's just going to make me feel crappy about myself. So instead of doing that, I go do something else and then I lift and then I leave after 45 minutes to an hour because that's what makes me feel good. So instead of like making it this like weird pressure, that's kind of what I've done at the gym. Oh, that's very, that's a really good philosophy. Yeah. I kind of just, I kind of just go for it. Whatever. I don't know. I, I try to do like different workouts a day, you know, like do like half hour on the stair climber. So today I did like half hour on the stairmaster and then I ran a fucking mile because you're a psycho. I, I was I was some on some kind of adrenaline, but it was also because it was the afternoon and I was like ready to, you know, have this amazing workout. The stairmaster is hands down the most effective workout machine. I love it because there's absolutely no momentum. Yeah. It's like purely you. Yeah. And I've never used it before this semester. Because I used to train to come back to school with it. Real, I <laughs> so we go to a school with a lot of stairs, like so many fucking stairs. So I used to literally the last like two weeks before we'd go back to school, I'd be on the stairmaster every day to train to not be like heaving as I went up the hill. Oh my god, no! I I love the stairmaster. I don't know, and I feel like it's just like this whole body workout, you know, like thighs, butt, abs, you know. So I I always used to run, and then I discover the stairmaster, and now we're best friends. I'm so, so glad for you. But but now that I am working out more, I do feel the like mental health effects, and I, I could never really go last semester because I was in I was in like a weird place last semester, so I never really wanted to go to the gym, and then I felt icky, and I'm like, oh, why do I feel icky? And now you know, well, I'm also eating better this semester and all that kind of stuff. So that's how do awesome. you? Thank you. So I'm like cracked up on adrenaline currently. I don't know if you could tell, but I'm uh, yeah, you are a little bit jittery. Woo! All right. Well, what do you? What's like? An uns- one of your unspoken rules at the gym. Some gym etiquette, one might gym, say. Gym etiquette. Um, similar to library etiquette. Uh, very similar. Um, one public place to the next. I, so one thing that, like, grosses me out is when I see people actively, like, leaving a machine and not wiping it down. I would agree. You're told you, you're told to wipe it down. It says please wipe down the machines literally everywhere, and it takes maybe twenty three seconds after you work out to just like wipe it down. After and also, you- if you're a sweaty person like I am, like also like, like I am, when I am on the machine, it's like I am sweaty. Like I am, you know, it's a big joke. Sweaty egg. I am a sweaty egg. Yeah, and I'm like. I would feel bad if someone got on this afterwards and had to touch my sweat. I know. The other day, I was at the gym, and this guy was following me after every machine. And I was like, are we doing the same workout right now? Like, what the fuck is happening? Matt, you should have asked him to join in with you. Yeah, no. But anyway, I you know, was, was doing one of the machines, and then I like was wiping it down, and I saw him like creeping over my shoulder. And he was like, are you done with this? I was like, yeah, let, let me just wipe it down. Like, I, was, I felt so embarrassed because I literally sweated all over the machine. Like, it was gross. Why was this man doing this? That's another thing about the gym. <laughs> Thank you for the layup, Lindsay. Yes, no problem. So I'm going to say I've been to the gym a few times. I know how to use the standard leg machine. I know how to lift up a free weight. Nothing irritates me more than a person. It's for me been typically a guy, but I'm not saying it's all guys or that girls couldn't do this too. When someone tries to teach me how to use a machine does, without me asking. Do people, does that actually happen to you? Um, yes, I have a very clear example. Probably, like, I want to say it was this winter break or the winter break before. I was at the gym using, like, the very simple simple leg machine, like the one where you stick your legs in and, like, like you're at a 90-degree angle and you go to a 180-degree angle, oh, yeah, like that yeah, one. Yeah. And for your quads. For your quads, thank you. <laughs> and this man was trying to fix, adjust the angle. I was like, bud. And he was, like, a young guy, so I, maybe this was his flirting tactic, but I was that's like, that's a terrible tactic. Don't like, I don't like anyone to talk to me at the gym. Like, that's another gym etiquette thing for me. If I don't like pull out my headphones and initiate a talk, talking with you, like, better work out and leave. <laughs> like, dude, there was one time I was on the heckin' treadmill and someone came up to me. And because the, uh, the treadmill next to me, it was not on. So that person got on the treadmill and started waving at me while I was running. I was running at like, okay, not a very fast clip, albeit, but like, I was still running, and he, like, was waving at me. He's like, when are we doing this this thing? And I'm like, I don't know. I'll send out the email later. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah, that's another I, like, gym etiquette thing I, like, for me. I had to me. pull my headphones. I was like, bro. And then he didn't even start running on that treadmill. He, like, went somewhere else. I was like, that's so rude of you. Like, my gym pull. etiquette thing for me was, like, I do, like, please do not talk to me. 
I don't I don't mind when people talk to me just not like while I'm actively running. Yeah, but that's what I meant. Like, yes. If I'm like clearly taking a break and like playing a game on my phone in between a set, fine, whatever. Yeah. But if I'm like actually lifting a weight over my head, like I don't no. Oh my god. No. No. All right, what's another thing you hate about the gym lens? Um Well, I don't hate about it, but I never used to be able to go so our gym has two floors. There's all the cardio machines on the, the second floor and on the bottom floor is all like the free weights and the machines, you know, for lifting, etc. And for a while, I wasn't able to go down to all the, like, free weights were because all the guys would be down there, you know, like, lifting, and I, I was scared. I was like, oh, my God, I, I don't want to be embarrassed. I don't want to, like, not know what I'm doing. And it took until I had a boyfriend and we worked out together for me to go down there. Obviously, now I could go down there by myself, but, like, I had to have this man teach me how to lift a weight and like not be embarrassed about it you know i mean i had a journey so basically if you don't lift at that bottom part you walk up five flights of stairs to lift in the in the other weight room or whatever so it got to the point where i was so tired after doing a cardio thing i was like fuck this i was like i don't care if i'm the only female down there because i am not walking up five flights of stairs right now so i went down there and i've never changed since i like it was like I- probably like sophomore spring and I was like, I'm never doing that again. No, I, and now I really like it. But I, I think the fear is always looking like you don't know what you're doing down there. and Or just like feeling like people are looking at you. Right. Like I don't like when I feel like like anyone is like watching me work out. Whether they're watching me work out because they're making fun of me or because they're like I'm wearing light. Like whatever. I don't like it. And so I, it took me a while to be like, I'm just going to pretend I can't see you looking at me. Right. Yeah. You. I, I don't know. Sometimes I get in a zone when I'm down there. You know, my music is really loud, so even if I, like, think people are looking at me, I'm in, kind of in my own own little bubble. All right. This is a hard-hitting question. Are oh, you ready? Oh, God, no. Who spends more time on their phones at the gym? Girls or guys? <laughs> it it took... I'm going to go with girls. Only- no. No, no, no. Only because more often than not, girls are on the elliptical, and, the, and I see... Every time I see someone on the elliptical, they're on their phone. Okay. I completely, utterly disagree. The elliptical I typically use looks down into, like, the place where all the people lift. I think I see more boys, like, twiddling on their phone than lifting a weight their entire time down there. Boys will literally, all the boys I watch are, like, not, nope. There's no lifting. You are not watching the boys who are doing pull-ups and you're watching their bicep muscles. No, I'm not watching that. Are you watching that? I am watching that. All right, mood. But what I'm saying is I we're going to pull this on the podcast, but I think 150% guys spend more time on their phone at the gym. I don't know. Because, I don't know. I don't think so. I think girls do. Because even, like, I know I'm guilty of it. Like, not, I don't do it while I'm doing any cardio, like on Stairmaster or running or anything. When I'm downstairs, especially, like, in between sets, I'm on my phone for sure. And I don't know, I like rarely see guys doing that, but Jess is appalled. Jess is giving me a lot of faces over here. I got a lot of faces. Yeah. Um, anything else you like particularly? Oh, I was just going to ask your thoughts on going to the gym, particularly in the two and a half months before spring break for the quote unquote spring break body. I just wanted to hear your thoughts. All right. So I was thinking about this today because I was at the gym and I was like, I hate how I feel like I'm still trying to follow my mental health philosophy, but I'm here going, I have to spend a week in a bathing suit in two and a half months and I'm definitely not in bathing suit shape right now. And then I get this like weird pressure because I'm looking around and like I'm starting to like compare myself to the girls around me. And today I saw a girl in a matching like sports bra legging set and Mm. I was like, I was like, gym fashion mm-hmm. I'm in like my tank top and old leggings and I'm like okay I just and then she ran like five miles and, uh, st- and still was like perfect, perfect like no sweat like- not a single drop <laughs> yep um, but I think it's difficult I think this really ties to a lot of pressures um, to being a woman in general typically I'm not I can only speak to a female ish exp- female's experience of body image issues I no guys have body image issues but for like me it's like i'm going on a spring break trip with a hundred of my closest friends and (laughs) i'm like well fuck like i barely feel confident in a bathing suit around you know my parents and my sister let alone like all these people and i think that's 
makes that can create bad habits. No, absolutely. Because I'm, I'm thinking about it too. I'm like, oh no, like I, I need like new bathing suits. I need like all this stuff, and I don't know. I don't. I and like I don't like being in a bathing suit in general. But. Yeah, and I think it's like it's sad that that's part of our. Like, that's something we're thinking about instead of just being like, oh, yeah, I'm really excited to go on vacation. It's like, well, how much do I need to hit the gym till March to be able to feel confident on vacation? Right. And it's like, well, why can't I just go to the gym to, like, be healthy and and be myself as opposed to, like, okay, I need to go to the gym to, like, look as best as I can to be in a bathing suit. Because really, who are you trying to look good for, you know? I, I have people I'm trying to look good for. But. Oh, baby! <laughs> Who's is Lindsay talking about? Myself. It could be you. <laughs> Definitely not. Whoever, if, if you think it's you, it's definitely not you. If you think it's you, text me. I'll, I'll find out if it's you. <laughs> no, I, mainly myself, but like, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I like to say it's myself. Right, obviously, but there are Honestly, like, there's nothing like a good revenge body. Like, I love a good revenge body. <laughs> I feel like I need something to drive me sometimes because I feel like for me, it's not enough. <laughs> and I don't want it to be for somebody else. So I'm stuck in this thing and I don't want it to be vacation. Right. Oh ridiculous all around i think that's it though yeah but i think overall like i've really i think the gym is something where you just gotta like figure out your own relationship with it and try not to compare it to anybody else's that was uh, what an insightful way to end this segment and next we have our guest segment hey guest would you like to introduce yourself absolutely my name is jordan and i just graduated from lehigh and and yeah, I yeah, forgot. I forgot it. you graduated. Honestly, that's, she's she's still here now. <laughs> I'm still here. <laughs> yeah. So, what is your topic that you've brought to the podcast? I came here to discuss a little bit about sustainability and what that really means, especially to just normal everyday people. Right. And this is really exciting. And I feel like Jordan's gonna have a re- a lot of super awesome insights. May. Or it may not be because she's a vegan, but I'm sure that'll come up at some point. So I, I figured I should just get it out of the way now. So insert vegan joke. All right, Jordan. So how did you get into sustainability? That's a really good question. Actually, I got into sustainability after really just seeing a lot of stuff on the internet about kind of the impact that today's industries have been having on earth and on climate change and how it's really just moving at such an unsustainable rate and if we keep producing things the way that we are now it's just not going to end well at all for earth and so I just wanted to know like what I could do to kind of help offset kind of what's happening Um, and that's when I really started looking into um, different companies that are really geared towards producing sustainably um, how to eat sustainably and that's I guess that's where the vegan stuff comes up because <laughs> that is a big part of it. I think that's probably like the first major thing I did um, that's really geared at sustainability. Um, and then also just kind of, yeah, I, I don't know. Like that's really what brought me originally to um, being interested in sustainability. Yeah. So do you want to talk a little bit about like what, how veganism can be sustainable? Um just you know get that out of the way um because you know a lot of a lot of times i know people like make fun of it or like you know like shit on it but it's really um what's the word i'm looking for effective Effective. thank you it's like it's a very effective form of you know being sustainable in of yourself like doing your part so yeah absolutely um so being vegan just automatically reduces the amount of water that it takes to produce the food that you're eating so it takes so much water to um, produce enough food to feed cattle let's just say use that as an example Um, so that affects both the dairy industry and the meat industry as well Um, so the amount of food that has to be grown to just even raise the amount of cattle that it's that's required to meet the demand of how many people eat how much meat every single day is just astronomical like it's so much water which is all fresh water that you know humans could be utilizing either as drinking water or um, as a way to water the crops that could feed us if more people ate a plant-based diet so that's already a lot of land that's being cleared to either grow food for the cattle or to just 
have cattle graze because they go through land like it's their job because I guess it basically is their job because they're cows. Yep. <laughs> um, yep. <laughs> yeah. So even the, just that one example of, you know, not eating, there's some statistic and I would have to look it up, but it's like, if you don't eat meat for like a week or something, you're saving just, it's a crazy amount of water. It's like, it's like the same thing as not showering for a year. It's like, if you don't eat meat for a week, it's something crazy like that. That is insane. Yeah. It's like a, it's like a huge, what's the word? Like a huge, um, yeah. Yep. Yep. That word. Yep. <laughs> it's We're a huge thinking. amount of water. It's a huge amount of water. It's just, a, it's a huge, like, yeah, like discrepancy, like, and how much, yeah. yeah, you know, and like how much water it takes to produce all these products like meat and non-plant-based products, but um, compared to just how much water like humans actually need to survive. Right. And and I think a lot of people, like, I've been doing Meatless Mondays, which has been really exciting. And, yes. um, but I, I guess I d- never really knew how much of an impact that had. You know, if you said, okay, like not eating meat for a week. I don't eat meat that often, but like specifically on Mondays, you know. And I feel like that's a huge amount. It's like maybe not showering for like, three months you know it's like like a quarter of the year so but that's that's something else that like in regards to sustainability I think is I've changed a lot over the last few years about I used to be like the kind of person it was like all or nothing like if you're not doing everything you can to be sustainable and contribute to you know a more sustainable lifestyle then like why are you even helping but now it's like I see people or I talk to people all the time who are like I'm going meet, doing meatless Mondays or I'm giving up dairy. And it's just even those little things absolutely add up and make a difference. And I think that's an incredibly important point, because I think especially as a college student, everyone's like, it's impossible for me to be sustainable. I'm surrounded by plastic cups when I go out. I'm I you know, I'm not cooking. I'm living in a dorm. I'm you know, there's no way I could possibly not get you know my coffee in the morning. And so I think like that's a really great point to drive home that like you could pick one thing and if you did that every day to be more sustainable then you're having an impact right we don't need everyone or we don't need a few people doing it perfectly we need everyone doing it imperfectly and that is how it's going to actually that's how we're actually going to see a driving change and not only that but if people like everyday people just you and me start doing one or two things that eventually will start to add up enough to where the corporations and the big companies that are really the big drivers behind pushing these products out and marketing these, you know, single use products and these like, you know, meat products that are just so easily obtainable for so cheap eventually. And we've already started seeing this happen, but eventually they're going to catch on and notice that people don't want all this stuff. They want them to live a more sustainable lifestyle. So they are going to change their you know, business strategy and their, you know, marketing tactics. And, you know, you know we already see that happening because you see a lot of plant-based stuff coming into fast food restaurants. You see a lot of uh, non-dairy milks, you know, starting to become mainstream and, you know, in Starbucks and all that kind of stuff. So you definitely see it happening. So you bring up a really good point, but do you think that's more of like a fad, you know, like the impossible Whopper or whatever? Do you think that that's a fad that society is like, oh, well, this is what we're into right now, so this is what we're doing? Or do you think that those companies are like, well, we want to do this, we need to do this to be sustainable? Right, and you see that, you kind of see that shift that has happened over the years where, you know, people were, you know, around like the 1950s, 1960s, when the fast food industry really started to proliferate, proliferate, you saw people wanting cheap food, and so that's what happened. And then that kind of has kind of just, it's gotten out of control. You know, we've gotten to where we are today, with the fast food industry and I think that right now it's hit a peak and what we're seeing now is kind of like the decline of that people are going back to older healthier ways because before you know the proliferation of the fast food industry what did we have we had like people who would cook you know meals three three times a day and that's what they you know that's what was just normal that's the only option there was and I think now people are starting to realize that that is the healthier way to live for your body and also for the earth as a whole there's a lot of good stuff there jordan (laughs) (laughs) um what is there like a uh wow english is there like a a specific thing that you're most passionate about within sustainability um or something that you think you do really well maybe um yeah i would say 
something that I'm kind of like, I don't know, I think something that I've been doing for a while is trying to not use single-use plastic materials. Um, and I would say that, I mean, a lot of the people who know me know that I carry around a mason jar everywhere. Literally everywhere she goes. <laughs> and she'll leave her mason. So I live with Jordan. So she'll leave her mason jars out everywhere. Like, we don't even need to ask. You know, it's like, whose mason jar is this? You're like, ah, it's Jordan's. <laughs> um, I love mason jars. They're just so easy. And you can put, like, anything in them. And I would me- use them to meal prep or I would use them for my coffee. Um, yeah, but I would say, like, not using single-use plastic is something that I've gotten. It's just kind of become second nature to me. Like, I always have a mason jar or a kind of mug or something in my bag ready to use. Um, metal straws. Metal straws, another one. Like, people just need to people need to hop on the metal straw. I know, like, paper straws are not as... as People don't like paper straws. Not the wave. <laughs> <laughs> but apparently, there's, like, other alternative non-plastic straw alternate like things that have been coming out so i think that's really exciting something that really has driven me insane is when this like let's stop using straw thing came up and there was a lot of people like well straws only make up like blank percent of the plastic i was like yes but what you are failing to understand is that it is still a portion of the plastic and it's a lot it's a lot like and for me like my sister is um going to be an environmental engineer so she like is really passionate about it so we never use straws and i'm pretty conscious about not using them. And I feel like a lot of people get, well, it's not enough. And I'm like, well, it's something better than nothing. So I think that, you know, the whole straw thing was like some people have really taken it to like the wrong way and it could be something positive. Right. And it's it's really not that difficult once you decide within yourself that you're committed to it. Like if you tell yourself, I am not using plastic straws, that's it. And you go to Starbucks and you get a cold drink and you want a plastic straw, but you're like, you know what? No, I told myself I'm not going to. You have to find another way to do it. So whether that be you bring your own straw next time and this time you like sip it, like you definitely adjust. And the same thing goes for like shopping bags. Like, you know, if you say I'm not when I go grocery shopping, I'm not going to use the single use plastic bags, like even though you could reuse them, like everyone has that drawer that's just like overflowing with plastic bags. You have way too many and if you just commit to yourself, like at some point you just tell yourself, okay, starting now, I am not using anything. Maybe the first time you're going to forget and you have to buy a $2 reusable bag at the grocery store. But I promise you after one or two times that you've forgotten, you're like, oh, I have to buy a $2 grocery bag. You're going to remember. You're just going to keep them in your car. But you just kind of get used to it. It's just kind of how you can initiate yourself to commit to being more sustainable or just practicing more sustainable life choices. So how do you suggest to others to, like, initiate that? I personally think that setting a date for yourself and saying, like, starting now, and but, like, not doing it all at once. That's the thing. Like, you can't just be, okay, one, two, three, that's it. One, two, three, I'm sustainable. One, two, three, <laughs> sustainable. <laughs> um, and I think it has to be a gradual thing. And if you get used to it, you'll notice that the little changes kind of turn into other things. So, like, if you... I'll use straws as an example again. If you um, carry around a metal straw with you or an alternative kind of non-plastic straw with you, you're going to eventually notice it and you know what? You could be, hey, I'm using a metal straw. Why am I using a plastic cup? And then at that point, you're probably going to turn into bringing your own cup or, you know what, buy a cup if you don't have, if you don't think you have one and then you can, you know, reuse that one. And um, so I think definitely like setting small goals for yourself and giving yourself a date to be like, okay, this day, no more plastic or Mondays from now on no more meat you know so I know that you went abroad and I wanted to know if you could talk about your experience I guess with sustainability when you were abroad versus sustainability in the U.S. yeah so that was something that was actually really shocking to me I I mean obviously I know the U.S. isn't the most environmentally <laughs> friendly police <laughs> are you sure <laughs> oh you know that's just what they tell me yeah <laughs> Um, so I was very, I was very surprised by the degree of how much better other countries are at being sustainable. And it's just, it becomes second nature to them too. Like they don't even think about it. So, um, the place that I lived, we had a compost, um, and every, I I was abroad in Switzerland, um, and every, like everyone in Switzerland composts and it's kind of like they have the same, um, service as like a garbage man and like they just come and collect the compost too. Oh, that's so awesome. Yeah. Because Jordan, we started composting at our house and Jordan would have to take it somewhere else, you know, every time she went. So, you know, that's a really awesome service that they have. You know, you can just like throw it out with your garbage and you don't need to like go to a special place to like 
put your compost. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, just that made it way more accessible to everyone. Um, And the city was also so clean because it was just on garbage day, you would put out your um, your compost, you would put out your recycling, you'd put out your trash and it'd be collected. And that was it. There was just like no garbage bags like hanging out because there just wasn't as much garbage, um, if that makes sense. Um, And then recycling, like all places had uh, recycling and it was all um, divided up. So there was, you know, how there's different number plastics um, that sometimes you can recycle them some places and sometimes you can't. So it's really confusing in the U.S. It's so confusing. Like, and I don't want to sound like an ignorant American, but sometimes I'm just like, well, I don't I don't want to, like, contaminate the recycles and I don't know if this can get recycled. Like, I don't know the numbers. Like, I, I know there are numbers. I don't know which ones are which. Yeah. And the rules are different in every city. You know, like there's different some places have single stream recycling and you can just throw everything in there. Some of them, it's like there can't be any food waste on it whatsoever or the entire batch will get thrown out, which is kind of like how it is at Lehigh. Um, yeah. So they had different little sections and they would have like at a restaurant let's say or at a grocery store they would have like a big center where you know there's the garbage can um and it was all labeled and it was like okay this is where this goes there was a compost section it was like this is where all the organic material goes and then there was a place to put um like certain types of plastics and it again was labeled very clearly um and so it was all just like broken up really easily um and it was really easy to understand and yeah you have to take a few like a minute or two when you're throwing your lunch out to say okay this goes in this one this goes in this one but like in the end like isn't that one minute worth it you know right and but i i think americans have this very fast paced lifestyle like everything in europe is 10 times more slowed down and so people here are like oh okay i got to eat got to go back to work got to like boom Absolutely. boom 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 and so i think maybe it, it also has something to do with this societal difference and you're like oh well i can't take a minute to separate my recyclables how how ridiculous is that and it's absolutely but yeah i think it's important that we kind of can shift that narrative and we move away from that because that is like that's not fair for anyone especially in other places in the world where our actions of what we're doing to the environment are affecting other countries in the world worse than we could ever know because it doesn't affect us um, could you go into that a little bit more, like how how what we do here affects other people? Yes. And there, wait, there's just one other thing I wanted to say. Oh, yeah, no, go for it. <laughs> um, I was going to say um, a lot of it also has to come from like structural change from big corporations because they are the ones who are putting out so much of the single-use stuff that we have. And, I mean, just last week I saw an interview from a big corporation, which I won't name, and they said at the World Economic Forum that they weren't going to look into more sustainable bottling because customers like it and that's how they make money. Ah, and so that's a little disheartening. Um, it's like you wish that as a population we could buy into it because then we could support like smaller businesses who produce it. Because a big thing for me is like I love farmers markets and I love small businesses. Like you can ask anyone, like I would. I went to the farmer's market every single Thursday and bought lemonade. I bought the sustainable mason jar from the lemonade lady and I brought it every week. And I just like, for that, that was something so small. But to know that like I was doing that every week was something that felt really good for me. So I wish that we all could like, because I'm not perfect by any means. Like, have I drank out of a plastic straw this week? Yup. Should I not have done it? Yup. But I think like, if we all could buy into supporting those smaller corporations and small business, that's how you have the ripple effect. Because I think a lot of times we get lost in this, like, well, I'm one person and me doing X isn't doing anything. But if everyone does that one thing, you really see that. Right. Because especially too, a lot of times people want to do everything from the top down. It's like, oh, well, you have to tackle the big corporations first. And well, if they see everybody else doing it, they're going to be like, well, shit, something needs to change. Right. And that's what I was saying before. Like if, if we can change enough and show these, co- these companies that this isn't what we want anymore, that's how we're going to get big structural change. But these companies just like it's cheaper and it's more convenient for them to make these types of make their products using these types of materials. So that's what they're going to do. And um, also in um, in other countries, uh, there were there. I noticed that a lot of stores have just full on like by themselves, like without direction from their parent companies or the bigger corporations or maybe it has maybe it was from them you know depending on the store um but they just stopped selling or stopped using plastic bags um and 
I've when I talk to people that I know who live there, they're like, it was really annoying at first, but now we don't even think about it. It's like either you bring your own your your own reusable bags. If you forget, then you're gonna pay fifty cents for a paper bag, and then that money that was used for the paper bag, the companies say that they then turn around and reinvest it into something else, which is great. And that is a great initiative. And I think that that is something that companies should all really be looking into doing. Yeah, that's awesome. Really cool. All right. So back to Lindsay's question about how, um, (laughs) what I forgot I had a question (laughs) about how, you know, what we do impacts others. Right. So a lot of, obviously, um, climate change is very much on the forefront of everyone's it's a hoax no sorry (laughs) (laughs) you hoax. um the the chinese government created climate change (laughs) (laughs) insert meme (laughs) yeah we wish there are so many memes um jordan's a meme queen (laughs) (laughs) yeah but um obviously we know that climate change is at the forefront of everyone's minds right now and that has implications but that affects other countries or countries differently. So every country like might feel the effects of climate change differently. Like small coastal nations are going to feel it and the effects that they are going to be underwater if we don't change some of our practices. Um, some places are just going to have really long winters and eventually that's going to spread and crops aren't going to be able to be grown because the ground will be too cold and they'll, they'll miss the season. And so it definitely affects different countries in different ways. But for me, I think the biggest issue with sustainability is how it affects the human rights aspect of a lot of people who live in less developed countries. Um, and that means either whether it be uh, wages that are being paid to farmers or factory workers who are the, the ones who are producing these products that are, you know, like single use plastic products or um fast fashion products, um, whether it be that or it be um, just the fact that we produce so much trash that we don't have anywhere to put it besides either the ocean or other countries' landfills. We will, like the U.S. will literally sell our trash to other places to like, or pay other countries to take our trash because we just don't have room for it, Um, which then, you know, all these countries are getting their landfills or countries filled up their land filled up with trash um and then that goes on to further affect global warming because i won't get into it because obviously i'm not a scientist i'm a very documentary taught um you're not a scientist jordan no way (laughs) yeah uh, not a scientist um i took calc one (laughs) um but i do like i would say that i like watched pretty much every documentary available about this kind of stuff um and what will happen essentially is um, landfills get filled up and all the types of the plastics and um, all those materials obviously take up a lot of space but also when the sun heats them or like when they're hit by the sun they start to disintegrate but they don't decompose um, so what's happening is a lot of these microplastics are being released into the atmosphere and into the ocean depending on where the trash is um, and that is kind of you're you're feeling the effects in other countries because that's getting into food supply like fish that's getting into the air that people are breathing and causing disease you know i think though really your big point there is thinking about how the u.s is able to use our economic you know standing Mm -hmm. in the world to you know basically do what we want yeah and push off our problems yeah so we're like oh we have too much trash we'll give you some semblance of money which a country who is less fortunate than us probably needs Mm -hmm. and they'll take our trash and then we're like oh not our problem our hands are clean and i think really that shouldn't be a thing that's able to happen like that allows us to really be like peace i'm like blind to my issue like i'm blind to the problems i'm causing and for me that's really frustrating because i don't think that allows us to be accountable because if in new york city they couldn't get rid of the trash because they can't sell it to another country so it starts building up and building up and building up in a big city like new york people are gonna have to be accountable for the plastic they've consumed the plastic they've used instead we're shipping it off and so i think that really takes away you know from an individual because then i'm like well i'm not that bad like i buy organic food or i don't 
eat meat on Mondays or whatever, but I have, I'm not thinking about the impact. And I think your point there is so important. Right. And that's something that I think also makes it more difficult for people to feel like they're making a difference is like the cognitive dissonance about it and just not being able to say, oh, I am contributing to this. I need to change. It's like it just kind of like you throw it away, it disappears and you're like, oh, OK, that's it. Um, right. Especially because like you just mentioned, you know, how what we do affects other people. And, you know, I never really knew that. And I think a lot of other Americans are probably oblivious. And it's because America is this very self-centered nation where we're like, we're the best. It's just us. We don't have to give a shit about anybody else. But like there is so many other countries and people that we rely on, obviously. And then there's countries that we do a lot of harm to, evidently. But like no one is paying any attention to it because it doesn't affect it doesn't affect them. So, yeah. And also there was a um, there's something that I just have been thinking about a lot. It just pops into my head and I'm like, this is the craziest thing ever. I can't believe this is real. Um, But like when you think about single use materials, like whose idea was that? You know, like you walk into the grocery store and you see your pre-cut vegetables all cut up ready for you to go you take them home you cook them and plastic goes out where does it like that's it or you go out for a meal and your meal comes in a plastic container you eat your meal plastic gets thrown out how much over the last i would say this started really you know exponentially growing since like the 50 like post-world war ii like the 50s was when like plastic started to become um you know more accessible i guess um and like who, like that is just wild to me like the fact that you can walk into a restaurant eat on a dish one time and then never see it again yeah well i think we just got lazy yeah and <laughs> it, it got cheaper and cheaper and that is just i, I mean I, I see why it happened but i think it's just gotten out of hand Right. And that's why like people use paper plates and paper like plastic forks in their home because they're like, oh, well, I don't need to wash the dishes. And that's just right. like, ah, it takes like 30 seconds, like especially like right after you make your meal. So it doesn't get sticky, you know, just like wash them. Right. Yeah. But. Or even if you have to wait like a day, like wash it tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's Jordan's MO is to not <laughs> wash it tomorrow. <laughs> OK, so for the people listening, it's like primarily college people. What? What can you tell them that they can do? Really, like, what should their biggest takeaway be from this? I would say the biggest thing you can do is, and this is also a lesson that I've kind of had to reteach myself um, in the past couple years, is A, not to be too hard on yourself. Like, obviously, we're humans. We make mistakes. A lot of the change that needs to happen does need to come from big corporations So I get it, you know, like you using one paper straw isn't going to save the world. A lot of that stuff needs to come from a bigger macro level change. Um, So I would say the first thing is don't be too hard on yourself. In regards to that, though, the second thing I would say is do what you can. And whether that is one thing that you commit to, um, you try to do something new every month, you get um, mesh produce bags for your shopping so you're not using the plastic ones at the grocery store you're keeping bags in your car and or you're buying a new one if you forget them whatever it is like choose something that you think would be manageable for you and just do it a hundred percent um and just commit to it and really just commit to it and then you'll see you you'll notice it'll just become second nature to you and you'll honestly feel a lot better about what you can do for the environment those are some good steps. <laughs> I know I'm going to start. I'm going to start doing that. You know, like besides meatless Mondays, you know, there are other things I could do. Yeah, I want to invest in a metal straw. I love my metal straw. So, I, but I want like the little the little cappy thing on it because I don't like when my teeth touch the metal. So, oh yeah, yeah so they that, have like silicone ones too. Yeah, those are I've heard those are good. Okay, so yeah, there's a lot. <laughs> I think I'm going to Amazon Prime some metal straws after this. <laughs> but see, Amazon Prime use the. The, the shipping, like, no, no. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah. But, but on Amazon, there is an option where you can, um, instead of having them wrap their, your stuff in plastic, they will wrap it in paper for you. And you just have to go on Amazon. Yes. <laughs> what do I have to do to make that happen? I'll have to let you know because it's like in the settings and stuff. And I forget. So like, in my settings, way. I can do it. I believe so. Yes. All right. Everyone listen up. <laughs> this is so important. Your textbooks don't need to be wrapped in plastic. Not your blanket that you order, not needing plastic. 
go in the settings, change it to paper. That is that is the greatest thing I've ever heard. And and you can have them like reduce the amount of packaging they use. Because, and I think this is just like when you check out, you can say like have this delivered in um like the as little packaging as possible so like it might take an extra day or something but um they'll package it together instead of yeah 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 and most stuff you don't really need within the day so yeah Yeah, i know but we we as a society have become very uh dependent on instant gratification which is a whole other topic but (laughs) that would have been a good one to talk about too yeah that's (laughs) insane (laughs) all right so we always end our guest segments by saying so you just shared something you're open about what's something you're working on being more open about Ooh, that is a great question. I would say that I'm working on being more open about my love for TikTok. <laughs> Enough. Okay. Well, Jordan's an open. I, I can't. TikTok. That you heard it here first, guys. Jordan is being more open about TikTok. Well, thanks so much for coming, Jordan. Thank you so much for having me. This was amazing. This was great, and I learned a lot too. And now I feel very empowered to go do my part yes everyone feel empowered woo all right um that's it that's it for uh this episode of sorry we're open per usual i encourage you to go follow us on instagram at sorry we're open podcast um and you too can be on a guest on the pod um any exciting polls to talk about oh, oh. i posted all the fun um responses on the Instagram story, and I'm actually gonna save it as a highlight. So if you didn't see, people said some, got some pretty awful messages. Yeah, no, they're they're good. Well, not good, but like so bad that they're good. Yeah, so you should totally check those out on the podcast highlights. Um, and nothing like super surprising on the polls. So we'll have to see if maybe next week's polls give us anything wild. Yeah, like some. Yeah, I don't know. We need some hard-hitting polls. What did you do this week to be more sustainable? <gasps> That's such a good one. <laughs> All right. Turn it in. It's coming. All righty. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye.